Hello, my name is Diana Derpy and I live with paranoid schizophrenia. You are listening to my podcast, Schizophrenia As I Live It. It's a journey through my experience with paranoid schizophrenia and also that of my mother. And it's also associated to a book that I have just published called The Overlife, A Tale of Schizophrenia. It's a fiction book, but it's closely based on my experience with schizophrenia and my mother's. So today I wanted to talk about the word psychosis. So of all the words associated with schizophrenia and some other severe mental illnesses, the one I think that creates the most stigma is the word psychosis. Unfortunately, this stigma is usually not derived from actually researching what psychosis is and speaking to people who have undergone psychosis, but from uh, the television, uh, police thrillers, suspense movies, from books, and even sometimes from the newspapers, where a person who has committed a dangerous crime is labelled psychotic, whether that person actually suffers from a severe mental illness or not. So the word psychosis has kind of been hijacked um, and made equivalent to the word dangerous, possibly even capable of killing. Now, I gave last time a few uh, references for um, what schizophrenia is about and the symptoms associated with schizophrenia. So I mentioned the National Institute of Mental Health and the wonderful book by E. Fulatori called Surviving Schizophrenia, especially the first chapter. But there's another good website, which is psychiatry.org, and one of the words they deal with first is the word psychosis. And they explain it as a state of mind in which the symptoms of schizophrenia have so interfered with your uh, interaction with reality that you actually lose track of what reality is. So it's a rupture with reality, but there's nothing in that description which says that dangerous behavior is an automatic consequence. And in fact, it may be hard for some of you to believe that, but most people who are who undergo psychosis are not dangerous. They're not wanting to do you physical harm. They're not wanting to do you mental harm. They are simply struggling with a very distressing state of mind in which they no longer know consistently what is real or what is not. Now, schizophrenia is a very complicated illness. Uh, there's a list of symptoms associated with it. These symptoms interact with each other. So most people are probably aware that 
people living with schizophrenia can have hallucinations. So, so auditory hallucinations, visual hallucinations, in which they see or hear something which is not actually there, or that they hear or see it in a distorted fashion. But there are other symptoms as well. A paranoia, the feeling that people are able to insert thoughts into your mind. And it all stems from something that we don't yet understand that goes wrong with the brain of someone living with schizophrenia or another severe mental illness. So that is why people who advocate for people living with a severe mental illness with psychosis for their um, sickness, if you like, to be labeled a brain disease rather than a mental illness because something has gone wrong with the way the brain processes information and that has led to them interpreting reality in a way which they try to make sense of in the midst of all these symptoms, but may not necessarily lead to an accurate representation of reality. And I think it's the notion that someone has lost touch with reality that scares a lot of people, even a lot of people who want to be sympathetic. Because they think, well, this person has lost touch with reality, so so what are they going to do? Um, are they going to suddenly feel uh, that they need to defend themselves against me? Do they suddenly feel that I'm evil and therefore they have to kill me and so on and so forth? But I can tell you uh, from my own experience that the loss of touch with reality is something which is tremendously traumatic internally, but, for example, in my case, has never, ever led to me wanting to harm someone physically or even mentally. So I may behave strangely, which may cause some distress for a family member or friend, but that distress is not intentional on my part. And the vast majority of people who undergo psychosis are living it as an internal struggle and not something that is the basis of a plot to harm another person. So, you know, I really think the media does a really bad job of this, uh, of using the word psychosis and psychotic uh, every time they don't have a good screenwriter to finish their story in a more interesting way and a more accurate way. It does a lot of harm to people living with a severe mental illness. So there's a lot of stigma attached. So what can you do faced with this stigma? Well, again, I can speak from my own experience that I have found that when I'm really sick with my schizophrenia symptoms, the best thing to do is not to seek to contact people. 
with exceptions. So in my case, the exception is my spouse. Uh, my spouse is my caregiver. My spouse is always someone that I trust, even when I'm at my most paranoid. And he's very invested in making sure I relate to my psychiatrist and my psychologist what I am feeling if I have a downturn in my health. So how things have developed with me is that I have a minimal, as little contact as possible with people who aren't my spouse and aren't my doctors. And I say, you know, I'm having a lot of trouble. I'm very paranoid. I know I'm sick. What are we going to do about this? So with the psychiatrist, it usually involves adjusting the medication. So she usually gives me a, a, a bigger dose of the antipsychotics that I take. And the psychologist is there. I speak to her weekly to help me find my way through what's happening mentally and how it affects how I relate to people. Now, I'm lucky in that my doctors are very effective. So several weeks into uh, these relapses, which I have had and uh, and I have to admit to myself I may still have, professionals are at work. And the one person I will always trust and love and who is my caregiver is at work to make sure that I get healthier as quick as possible. So it's when I'm on a better footing that I find it's a good time to repair some fences. So I divide people into two types. One are the lost causes and one are the hopeful causes. So the lost causes are family members or people who were in your social circle who once they find out that you live with schizophrenia and once they witness what you go through in a relapse or psychotic break, as some call it, they don't want to have anything to do with you. And you're not going to be able to do anything to win them over because in some sense they're more scared and more paranoid than you are. They don't want any risk that someone with a severe mental illness is part of their well-manicured life. They don't bother to research it. They don't bother to ask you how you really feel. They have this vague notion of what psychosis is, what schizophrenia is, and once they know that you can relapse, they don't want to know you. And that attitude is not going to change when you're feeling better, when you're doing better. And I find the best thing to do with such people is to not expect anything from them. I, I mean, there's no use flogging a dead horse. You need to look for people who are prepared to listen and are prepared to accommodate the fact that you live with schizophrenia and that you may at times have a relapse. 
Now, I have found such people uh, in my neighbours. I've had very good experience with my neighbours. They've seen me very distressed uh, while I'm relapsing with my schizophrenia. They haven't known what to do, so they may not have been over-friendly during that time. But once I tell them that I live with schizophrenia and describe to them some of the symptoms, they can make sense of that. And then what they go by is how I behave once I'm better. And so this is very motivating for me to really work at having better mental health so I can relate to such people like my neighbours and like other people who are hopeful causes in such a way that I can inform them without frightening them. And I have been pleasantly surprised at uh, how some people come around quickly to saying, oh, look, we didn't know you had schizophrenia. Yes, I know it's a severe mental illness. We really appreciate that you let us know, and we're so glad that you feel better. Now, it doesn't matter if these people are part of your family. It doesn't matter if they're part of your close social circle. What matters is that they exist. And it's the hopeful causes that you need to cultivate. It's the hopeful causes that will motivate you when you do get sick to get better as soon as you can so you can get back to being friends with them or get back to being their family member. So there are things that you can do to combat the stigma. You know, the problem with focusing only on the stigma is that that means you identify as a victim. And to identify as a victim doesn't leave you open to things that you can do yourself to improve the situation. And I know that it's extremely hard. Uh, You know, I've been hurt by people. I've been taken aback for the most part by just how fragile the so-called sane people are because, you know, They've carefully worked out their life and suddenly you come along and uh, you had the severe mental illness and occasional bizarre behavior and they're, they're actually scared of what you might do to their well-manicured life, as I said earlier. So again, don't be afraid if you're living with schizophrenia simply to ditch certain people. And don't be afraid to reach out to people who are more open-minded, educate them a little on schizophrenia, but don't overdo it. You know, don't make them feel that um, they have to carry the full burden of all the symptoms that you ever feel. And one thing that's very, very important, and I'm always saying it, uh, and the mental health advocacy groups are always saying it, You are not defined by your mental illness. So make sure these people, the hopeful causes, are aware that you have interests, that you have activities that have nothing to do with your mental illness. In my case, uh, I I, I love music. I like uh, movies. um, I like watching baseball with my husband. 
Uh, I like watching football when it's the local college team that's playing. Um, I love to read. Uh, many, many things that I can share with people that have nothing to do with a mental illness, and that also helps to put their mind at rest. So stigma for me, and many people may not want me to say it, but it's nonetheless what I believe. Stigma is a two-way street. It's not just the people who are prejudiced making an effort to educate themselves and at the end of the road viewing you as no different to anyone else. To me, it's a two-way street in which the prejudiced person who is a hopeful cause makes some effort to understand you, but that you have to reciprocate with a realistic image of yourself that they can grasp onto and that they can like. And if you keep in mind that a little bit of education about schizophrenia will probably reassure them, but that mostly what they want to hear about is that all the aspects of you that are not your mental illness, and there are many, and you can engage them on those topics. So I come back again to this word psychosis. It's misused. It's bandied about on the media. And I think this is the word that needs the most intelligent support, the most education, that the symptoms of schizophrenia can make you lose touch with reality but that's usually something that you internalize and that you struggle to make better. It's not something that leads you to want to harm someone or even make someone miserable. It's just an internal struggle and part of the symptoms that you suffer from if you live with schizophrenia. So I do hope you will come back next time. Uh, to listen to what I have to say. I also hope that you'll give thought to buying my book, uh, The Overlife, A Tale of Schizophrenia by Diana Dirkby, and you can find it on Amazon.com by searching for Diana Dirkby. There are a couple of other things called The Overlife. Um, so rather than search for the title of the book, uh, it's better to search by the author name, Diana Dirkby. Okay, well, see you next time. And uh, in the meantime, let me just say that I thank you for listening.